going to speak to you on four rules of communication tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, let me say to you that my wife says I'm a wonderful communicator. She wanted me to tell you that, that I'm fabulous at it. And as I'm saying that to you, she's having a heart attack, all right? <laughs> uh, no, she, like most of you women, has the problem that her husband speaks about a third as many words as she does, all right? Uh, so she speaks, <clears throat> for every hundred words she speaks, uh, for every hundred word, uh, words a woman speaks, a man tends to speak about 33. Right? That's all he needs to speak. And so there's always a problem. There's always an issue there in terms of communication. Add to that all the difficulties in a, in a marriage in terms of one being an, uh, an early bird and one being a late bird and so on. You, you can end up uh, with huge problems as far as communication is concerned, as far as just keeping that going in a marriage. But we're not just talking about marriage tonight. And we're not, in fact, talking about the amount of communication. We're talking about how to communicate. You see, we all have relationships. We have relationships with each other. We have relationships with children. We have relationships with spouses. We have relationships at work. We have relationships at school. We have relationships in all kinds of areas of life. And what happens is our relations get clogged up because of poor communication, because of communication that doesn't actually work. And it's kind of like... I have a coffee machine at home, and um, <clears throat> we have lots of, uh, <clears throat> lots of issues with our water. It's, it's good water, but <clears throat> it's full of lime. And in my coffee machine, there's all these, there's all these little tiny uh, <clears throat> jets and so on that go through it. And I, every now and again, the coffee machine gets to the place where it's down to a drip, drip, drip. And the reason is it's clogged. And I've got to put stuff through it to dissolve all the lime uh, so that it can run right again and clear. Now, that's what happens with our relationships. They get clogged. Now, you can make an, a relationship work pretty effectively, even if it's very well clogged, but it gets clogged because of poor habits of communication. And we really need to look at our communication and brush it up from time to time. Now, I'm not sure whether we'll get through this all tonight. I don't want to rush through it. Uh, <clears throat> we'll take our time and maybe come back to it next week if we need to. But l- 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 let me ask, uh, ask you to do this. Right? Don't look at this tonight and see where your spouse is wrong. Can we be experts in where other people are getting it wrong? Isn't it very easy to be an expert in where somebody else is getting it wrong? Don't, don't, don't look at the other person. Look at this tonight, because you can't change the other person. But look at it this tonight, and what can I do to be better in this area? No matter whether it's spouse, children, parents, uh, workmates, church, wherever, what can I do to be better in this area of communication? Because really we get clogged up pretty effectively and communication stops. Or it stops on any meaningful level. All right, so let's have a word of prayer and then we'll read Ephesians chapter 4. Father, would you bless us tonight as we look to you? And all Lord, would you help us, Lord? Lord, we confess that, Lord, we have a problem. I have a problem in this area. Lord, that we have issues and difficulties in the area of communication. Lord, would you help us, Lord? Help us to take rules and principles and apply them that we might be the more effective in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Down to the end of the chapter. Wherefore, and um, the three verses before that, well, let's actually read them, 21 through 24. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, the next passage deals with a whole bunch of things. We're going to apply it today 
very clearly in the area of communication. We're, we're, we're going to hit that area of communication pretty hard with it, right? But it's part of the putting off and putting on principle. It's part of putting off the old life and putting on the new life, of putting off your way and putting on Christ's way. Right? So it's part of that principle. It applies to all of us. It applies to every last one of us in the room. Uh, it is that putting off and putting on. It's not automatic. Sometimes, you know, <clears throat> because we understand that salvation, is by the power of, that salvation is by the power of the Holy Spirit and sanctification is by the power of the Holy Spirit, we kind of go a step further and we make it automatic. That I will automatically uh, get things right as I go along. No, you will get things right as you go along as you apply truth to them and the Holy Spirit enables you in your application of truth to actually do it. It's not automatic. You need to put off and put on. All right. <clears throat> Verse 25, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. All right, so our passage opens up with a command to communicate. Right? It says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. That is actually a command to communicate. It's a command for you to speak truth, for you to be honest, for you to do the business as far as communicating is concerned. It's not just a don't lie. It's not just a negative. The negative side of it is don't lie. The positive side of it is do speak the truth. Do bring things up. Do actually talk about them. Not just putting off lying, but speak the truth. <clears throat> and it's a command. It's a Greek imperative. You speak. You do. So <clears throat> if God gives you a command, do you have an option? You didn't expect that on a Sunday night, did you? See, I caught you out. <clears throat> if God gives you a command, is it an option? No. We're supposed to do it. <clears throat> We're supposed to communicate. Uh, now, People cannot read your mind. Do you know that? People cannot read your mind. And do you know this? You can't read anybody else's mind either. You think you can sometimes, don't you? You think you can actually read people. You think you know what's going on in their minds. You do not know what's going on in somebody's mind. Unless they tell you honestly, you're really not going to know what they're thinking. Unless they're honest with you and tell you what, you, what they're thinking, you, you, you're not going to know. And it is really har- harmful to assume that you do know what's going on in somebody's mind. You've got to kick that one to the curb. We'll talk about that later on, right? <clears throat> so honesty is more than not lying. It is speaking the truth. Problems cannot be resolved unless they are expressed. You can't resolve the problems unless they're expressed. You can't actually deal with them unless they're laid out there on the table and you get to talk about them, you get to actually work on them. There's no way to do that because nobody can read your mind. Sometimes we get all in a huff because we're hurting and nobody cares that we're hurting. But look, the reality is maybe nobody knows that you're hurting and maybe nobody knows why you're hurting. Now, is it their responsibility to come to you and to pry from you why it is that you're hurting? That can make life very difficult for people. 
If you've got an issue, a problem, a difficulty, it's your responsibility to go to them and say, look, here's my problem. Now, there's a way you're supposed to do that. You don't go in and just blurt it out and hammer them, because if you do, you're, you're, you're likely to get a reaction. And the reaction won't be helpful to the outcome at all. So, but but you, need, you, you, you need to express it. There needs to be in your heart that decision, look, I'm going to do this, I am going to express it. Dishonesty is out then. Examples of dishonesty, outright deceit, where you tell somebody a lie. Well, as Christians, we all accept that. You shouldn't tell people lies, we know that. What about a uh, conflict between your body language and the tones and the content of what you say? You're saying one thing. In other words, you're saying the right words. But everything about you is saying something different. What about that? That's a problem. That's an issue. Right? Understand that we speak with our bodies just as much as we speak with our mouths. You know, and we speak with our tones. Our tones can say one thing, uh, <clears throat> and this one, the words will mean one thing, and they can, our, our tones can be different, and the same words will mean, will mean something entirely different. Right? <clears throat> uh, We've we, we got to be careful. Our body language and our tones are actually communication. Sometimes they're communicating when we don't want them to, <clears throat> but they're actually communicating. They're actually talking to people. They're telling people. Uh, and then there's disguising the message, right? <clears throat> Speaking with innuendos, right? Uh, so dishonesty is out. You're not to be dishonest. You're not to mislead people. You're not to deceive people. You're not to give, you know, a double signal with what you're saying and what's going on inside you and what, <clears throat> what you're projecting with your body. You're supposed to be honest, right? Then secondly, you have to keep current. Look at verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Get angry, but don't sin, now, obviously, we need to define anger here because it can't be just where you explode in somebody and just, just let them have it. <clears throat> Don't let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury or indignation last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Right? So <clears throat> when you've got a problem, you're supposed to deal with the issue and not let it fester. I said, that's a problem, isn't it? Listen, you can get a thorn in your skin. And, yeah, you get germline or something and stick it on a sticker plaster and stick it on, uh, on your thorn, and typically it, it, it'll pull it out. Right? Something will pull it. And if it doesn't, you know, you, you go get it seen to. But if you leave the thorn and ignore it, the thorn can get infected. And it can do your body real damage. And you've had that happen to you from time to time where something has gone in there and you've not dealt with it and um, it's become a real problem for you. Now, in our communication, in our relationships one with another, if we don't deal with stuff, it becomes a problem. It becomes an issue. It becomes a difficulty. Um, Lying is sin. Anger may not be. Lying is sin. Anger may not be. Right? Anger is energy to be used to solve problems, right? It's to be used to solve problems. Now, here's the key thought when it comes to communication, when it comes to this area of anger. Anger is to be focused on the problem, not at the individual. I'm not going after the person. I'm going after the problem. I care about the person, so I'm going after the problem. I'm not tearing strips off the person, because I'm annoyed and angry and frustrated, what I'm doing is I'm dealing with the problem. 
And anger used in that sense is actually a value for the relationship. Because I value this relationship, I'm upset about this issue, I want us to resolve it. But it's different to me going after the person and tearing strips off them or <clears throat> dealing with them. Anger is sinful when it's used to attack others. Right? <clears throat> now, um, <clears throat> or is or self-stewing on the problem, when you actually stew on the problem. See, there's basically two ways that we can actually deal uh, with our anger. One is that, <clears throat> that, that we, 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 we stew on it, don't we? And he said such and such to me. And I'm uh, I'm really, I'm really bothered by that. I'm hurt by that. I'm angry about that. Now, when, when you're angry, typically you express it. Oftentimes to the wrong people, though. What does Matthew 18 say about our problems when we have a problem one with another? What are we supposed to do with, do with it in Matthew chapter 18? What do we do? Bring it to the person. You go to the person with the problem. Right? That's the first stop. By the way, that's the key issue in the whole thing. You know, nine times out of ten, we would expect that it's going to get resolved at that stage. We would expect that it's going to get sorted out. Now, you may not have it right. They may have done something wrong. There's a whole bunch of... But when you come together with it, and you come together with the right spirit and so on, we're going to get things resolved at that stage. Right? Nine times out of ten. The rest of it talks about taking a witness and going to the church and so on. But nine times out of ten, it's going to be resolved when you go to the person. Now, I want you to look at Matthew 18 because I want you to see some words that are key, that are important here. Matthew 18 and verse 15. Okay, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Right? Do you think the thee and him alone is important there? Do you think God put that in for a purpose? Do you think God actually, God actually put that in for a reason? Well, of course he did. We understand that every word of the Bible is inspired. And that when God put words in, he put them in because they're important. Right? And when he says, between thee and him alone, that's important. Now, why is it important? By the way, if God just said it, that makes it important enough. Why is it important? Here's why it's important, right? You know, you know let's say I have, a, I have a problem with you, right? You've done something on me, and um, I'm really upset about it. Now, biblically, I'm supposed to go and talk to you about it and get it sorted out. But, you know, I don't want to talk to you because I'm mad. And I'm mad, and, and, and I'm bent out of shape. So uh, I hold back from talking to you about it. Uh, but you know what? I, I got to talk to some. So I talk to some. And now, typically, I talk to somebody who's going to agree with me about it. Right? I don't don't, don't necessarily go to somebody who's going to say, oh, "Would you catch yourself on? That's ridiculous. That didn't happen." I go to somebody who's going to say, "Oh, they did not. That's just so terrible. I can't believe that. That's horrible that they did that." And I, and I, yeah, yeah, that's what they did. Right? And maybe I go to two or three people like that, and they, all, and they all agree with me. Now, before I ever approach you, do you know what? I'm convinced in my mind that you did it. And you know why I'm convinced? I was convinced to start off with, but I'm all the more convinced because three people agree with me. So I come to you now, and I have a wall of resistance to any issue you might have in terms of dealing with it because I know what happened now. And I have all these people that agree with me. 
So that when I do finally get around to coming to you, the problem has now ballooned. It's explosive. It's, it's serious now. It's a serious issue. Right? <clears throat> you see, the Bible says, between you and him alone. You know, that you love your brother enough that you've got a problem with him, that you go to him and say, look, what's going on here? Now, I'll give you some, some principles for how you actually approach somebody uh, as we look at it, too. But understand, it's between you and him alone. You don't have an option. God said, be honest, speak the truth. But go on between you and him alone. Now, why don't we like that? Because that makes us vulnerable. And we don't like being vulnerable. You know, we like to have our little wall. We all travel around our little bubbles and we bounce off each other from time to time. Uh, but heaven forbid that the bubble should actually intersect and we should really communicate with each other. That's kind of, uh, that's tough going. So what we want to do is we want to stay in our little bubble and we don't want to be vulnerable. So we don't want to actually go and talk. We've got to go and talk. And we've got to go and talk between us and the person alone. So you're not allowed to stew on it. Now, the Bible's very clear on that. Well, look, look back in Ephesians here. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. What happens, you know, when somebody annoys you? And listen, you're bent out of shape about it. And um, you didn't deal with it because you didn't want to. You stew on it and you get bitter. And you know, every time you get bitter, you give the enemy advantage. Every time you get bitter, you give the enemy an advantage. It doesn't matter what they've done on you. What you just did was you gave the enemy advantage over you. You've let bitterness in. And now... What you've got is you've got a, you've got a problem, but it's a problem between you and God, and it's a problem that the enemy is exploiting at this point because you didn't go and deal with it. Right? So, so one way is we uh, is we stew on it. Right? Now, the other way is that, that, that we can clam up. Right? Now, what do we do by clamming up? We cut off communication with the person. It's okay. That's it. You've hurt me. I'm not talking to you. Any problem? No, no problem. Did something happen? No, nothing happened. I'm fine. Sometimes we do that by crying. Sometimes we threaten an explosion. Uh, sometimes we bottom line, all I have to say is, and that's the end of the conversation, by the way, all I have to say is, you know, what do you do with that? Well, all you have to say is, well, then you've said all you have to say, so how do I actually approach that? How do I deal with that beyond that? Because you've just dealt with the situation. And by the way, <clears throat> we go in doing things like that because we don't want to be vulnerable and we want to lay it down. Right? <clears throat> now, so... We, we need to stop clamming up. We need to start dealing with problems. We need to deal with the problems quickly. You know, tomorrow's going to have problems of its own. Tomorrow will have issues of its own. You need to deal with issues quickly. Now, how are you going to deal with these issues? Let, let me give you six questions to ask. We're going to look at some Bible verses on these here. Uh, how, how do you bring up a sticky issue? First question you have to ask yourself is, do I have the facts right Right? Look at Proverbs 18, verse 13. Proverbs 18 and verse 13. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. You answer the matter before you hear it. Now, how do you answer a matter before you hear it? 
Well, you're judge, jury, and executioner. You've decided everything that's happened in the situation before you've heard it. Um, You answer the matter before you hear it. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to hear what's going on in the situation. You're supposed to deal with it. You're supposed to understand. You're supposed to go in asking questions. Now, look. Do, do Do you understand this? Most people do not want to hurt you. Right? Most people do not want to Listen, there are a few people out there that probably have it in for you and they want to hurt you, but most people do not want to hurt you. There are a whole variety of reasons why you might be hurt by some, something somebody says or something does. But <clears throat> the main one is not going to be that they set out to hurt you. Now that, that's not what they're setting out. Typically, that's not what they're setting out to do. They do not want to hurt you. So, whatsoever things... Think on the good. Right? Give the other person the benefit of the doubt. Right? I'm sure this person didn't want to hurt me. I'm sure this person didn't do this hurt because typically they don't. People respond, react out of all kinds of stuff inside themselves and their own issues and so on, and they typically don't want to hurt you. So go in asking questions. What happens when you go in full, go in, in full flight attack mode? Okay? Isn't that what you do? Right? <clears throat> that you actually respond with uh, defending yourself. Don't go in like that. Go in asking questions. Listen, is this what happened? Can you help me with this? and uh, Help explain to me what happened here. Right? <clears throat> is, is this what happened in the issue? Go in asking questions. Give the other person the opportunity to deal with the situation. You see... You don't know. You think you know. Some of us have lived in the world, uh, in the world long enough that we kind of think we know what's happening in, in situations. You don't know. Every situation is different. And if you're going to deal with stuff and deal with it right, you need to assume, I don't know what happened here. I don't know why. It's not a case of I know what, and you go in asking questions. You don't know about it. Listen, if, if you come to me and you talk to me and I'm telling you what you think, how do you feel? Annoyed. I, well, why would you feel annoyed with that? Because I don't know. How could I know what you're thinking? It's impossible. How could you know what I'm thinking? I, you see, let's not go in thinking we know what somebody else is thinking. Go in asking questions. Can you help me with this? I'm, I don't understand this. It seems to me like, but, you know, what you're doing there is you're leaving room for the other person to actually maneuver and do something in the situation. But go in asking questions. Now, and, 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 and let me just kind of put that one in your, in your heart and in your mind. Don't assume you know. Ladies, let me go after you for a moment. Isn't it true that sometimes you assume you know what's going on in your husband? Well, you've watched him for so long that you're pretty sure here's exactly what he's thinking and what he's doing right now. You don't know. Now, to be fair to you, you may have a reasonable idea from watching him over the years, but you don't know. Leave him space to actually answer it for himself. And by the way, ladies, when it comes to correcting your husband, have you noticed that they're not very correctable? 
How many of you think, listen, my husband, he just loves it when I come to him and I nail him to the floor. He always says, yes, honey, I'm so sorry. That'll never happen again, honey, right? How, how many of you have got a man like that in your home? Uh, <clears throat> isn't that funny? And you know what? If he was like that, he wouldn't be any good to you. How could he lead the home if he was somebody that was just kind of, kind of caved in every time you brought something to him? <clears throat> By the very nature of the beast, uh, he's made to actually lead. And what happens is, when you confront him like that, you usually end up on the offside with him. Blessed is the woman that can actually confront her husband without actually getting in his face over it. That can actually drop the thought in. See, different peoples in the world think differently and do, different, do things differently than we do. Uh, Chinese people, you, 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 do, you don't confront people. What you do is, you tell a story. And there's a similar issue in the story to the one, and the person is left to draw their own conclusion from it. Right? And you know what? I can see merit in that. Because sometimes the hard, full-on confrontation that we do really doesn't help the situation. You know? <clears throat> but don't assume that you know what's in your husband's mind, because the truth is you don't. Give him space to actually maneuver with it. Right? If you've got a problem, come and tell him the problem, but don't tell him what he's thinking. He's not going to, he's not going to take that very well. Nobody's going to take that very well. You wouldn't take that very well, so, so be careful on that one. So don't assume that you know it all because you don't. That means climbing down off your pride and deciding, I don't know it all. Uh, hands up, no, don't, don't let's do hands up. Who doesn't know it all? Right? <clears throat> um, secondly, ask yourself the question, should love hide it? Is it really that big an issue? You can't be dealing with every issue. You can't be going after every issue. You can't be straightening every issue out. It's not going to happen. You know, taking a marriage. Two people get married, right? <clears throat> you know, they're uh, devoted to each other. They're head over heels in love, and they think they'll never have a disagreement. Right? <clears throat> but they do, because you've got to get two lives and mesh them together. So in order to mesh them together, you're going to have to have disagreements to actually work it out uh, and bring it uh, to the place where, where it works. Now, if you're going to go after every issue in the other person that d d doesn't fit the way you want it to fit, you're going to be going after a lot of issues and you're going to end up in a lot of trouble. You can't do that. That's not going to be helpful to the situation. A lot of things you're just going to have to accept. Right? Husbands have to accept things about their wives and wives have to accept things about their husband to make the marriage work. In all relationships, we have to do that. In all relationships, we have to understand, you know, the other person is different to me. <clears throat> they, 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 there is no other person in the world that's exactly like David O'Gorman. Right? Everybody else is different, and the same is true for you. You know, there's nobody else that's exactly like you, so you've got to accept other people are different. Other people see things differently. Other people operate differently. Other people have, op have different agendas. And, you know, listen... <clears throat> There are certain limits in, you know, in terms of you know, your relationship with people. You, know, you can only be close to people who you have a reasonable amount of agreement with. But you know, understand that, that you know, everybody sees it different. We're all walking around this world and we're all different. And in, in order for us to exist together, love needs to hide a lot of stuff. Because I love you, I'm going to swallow this, and it doesn't really matter. It's not a problem. It's not going to affect you, and it's not going to affect me. It's just fine. Now, it's got to be really fine. It can't be because I love you, I'm going to, I'm going to, <clears throat> I'm going to <clears throat> put this behind me, and you put it in the sack behind your back, right? And you're not saying anything about it right now. Now love is covering it, but it's in the sack. 
And, you know, there's another thing that you put in the sack next week and something else you put in the sack the week after that and something else you put in the sack. And all along, you've got this invisible sack that's kind of filling up. And then one day, there's a blow-up. And all the things that love covered get uncovered. And you, listen, you dump them out good on. And you, you, listen, you make sure they know every one of the things that they've offended. By the way, let me say this to you. Right? Listen, don't keep a record book of hurts. Just don't do it. Don't keep a record book of hurts. Learn to have a poor memory. It's a really wonderful help in your marriage. It's a wonderful help in any of your, your relationships. Learn to have a poor memory. Learn to forget stuff. Learn to put stuff behind you. If, if you keep the record of hurts, what happens is, you know, the next one triggers them. And listen, the chain reaction goes into place, and they're all there. And all of a sudden, you're angry over five years of, of wrongs. And if it goes long enough, there's 10 years of wrongs. Now, who can deal with 10 years of wrongs? Listen, don't keep a record of wrongs. And by the way, definitely don't write them down. Don't, 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 why, why would you write them down? Why would you write down the wrong somebody does to you? Because uh, that, that's going to s- uh, strangle you completely. Don't do that one. Don't keep them. Let them go. Learn to be forget. Learn to have a poor memory for those things. Learn to let them go. Make the decision to let them go. To forget. You say, but I'll be a fool if I do. Listen, you'll be a happy fool. Be a fool, right? <clears throat> Just let that stuff go. Don't carry that stuff. Love can cover a multitude of stuff. Love can just, there's a lot of stuff just doesn't matter. It's not an issue. You know, you can learn to appreciate. Do you know that every characteristic has a negative and a positive side to it? It depends on how you're looking at it. It's amazing when you meet somebody and you're in that early relationship with them, the negatives can actually become positives, can't they? They're cute. But after a while, they're not cute anymore. The negatives have become negative to them. Listen, they don't have to be. It depends on how you look at them. It all depends upon how you look at them. You've got to learn to look at the faults and the flaws in other people and let love cover them. That's just the way it is. Let love cover it. Okay. Secondly, when you're talking about bringing something up, is my timing right? Is this a good time to bring it up? Right? You know, um, timing is different for everybody, isn't it? I mean, I'm a pretty poor communicator when I'm going to bed particularly, right? I mean, I always have been. When When I go to bed, I go to sleep, and that's it. It's done. I'm finished. Usually by the time I get to the bed, I'm pretty tired. And, you know, as far as getting me to communicate at that stage of the night uh, is... That's, that's a disaster. <clears throat> that just is. So, you know, don't phone me at 11 o'clock at night and expect to get any sense out of me. Um, unless you succeed in really rousing me, uh, you won't get much sense out of me, right? <clears throat> but, you know, that's not a good time to bring stuff up. So we've had to learn that's, that's not a good time to bring stuff up. That's not a good time for us to try and deal with stuff. That, that's a bad time. Now, look, every relationship is different. You've got to look at the timing of it. Is the timing right? Is it the right time to actually bring this up, to actually deal with this? Somebody's stressed out of their mind, and you've got an issue. Well, I'm going to deal with the issue. I'm not going to let the sun go down on my mouth, so I'm going to deal with it. But they're stressed out of their mind. That's not a good time to bring it up. That's, that's not helpful. So, somebody is hurting about something else, and, but you're going to bring No, no, no. Be careful of your timing when you're dealing with issues. Don't just land somebody with it at a bad, at a bad time. Don't do it in public. 
where you just call them down in public and you nail them to the floor in public. Don't do that one. That's not helpful. That's not, that's not a good deal to do. Um, in, in your homes, keep mealtimes positive. Now, what do I mean by that? Keep it so that everybody's looking forward to sitting down together. Don't make that the time where you correct everybody and straighten them all out for all the, all the things they've done wrong in the day. Because what you're going to find is everybody's going, oh, no, do we have to have dinner together? It should be a fun time. It should be a time for laughing, a time for, for enjoying. You know, pick your time as far as dealing with stuff is concerned. Uh, be sensitive to moods. Right? You know what? There are all kinds of different moods uh, people have. Uh, and you need to be sensitive to people's moods. Men, you need to be sensible, sensitive to your wife's moods. She has a lot more moods than you do, doesn't it? Now, ladies, that's not putting you down at all. But the reality of life is... Uh, ladies have a whole lot different, more different moods than guys. You need to be sensitive to those moods. If you if you if you carry on in a marriage relationship like your wife is just like you, you're going to always be in trouble because you're going get, to be getting reactions upon reactions because you don't you know what you're dealing with. You got to learn what you're dealing with here. And ladies, do this: be honest about your moods. Be honest about the different moods that you're going through because you know some of the moods are moods. They're not really that important. And don't make every one of them uh, absolutely sacrosanct that you've got to... Uh, the issue you're feeling right at that moment has to be dealt with because you're feeling it. Now listen, be honest about your moods. Some of them are not that important. Some of the issues... Some days are not good days for dealing with things, all right? <clears throat> but be sensitive of moods. Be sensitive where the other people, person is at. See, if you hit it at the wrong time, you're going to get a reaction. If you hit it at the wrong time, there's going to be a reaction. There's going to be <clears throat> uh, an issue for you. Timing is a key issue for you. Pick your time when you're going to deal with something. Don't go after it at the wrong time. Don't go after it when somebody is kind of um, <clears throat> uh, dealing with something else. Don't go after it in public. Don't go after it at mealtimes. You know, <clears throat> be sensitive to, to people's moods and so on. Just don't. You know, you, you see some of those, some people, and you know, they just haven't got a clue as far as moods are concerned, and they, and they will plow in and wreck somebody's head entirely because they just haven't read the situation at all. And you're going, not now, don't do it now, oh no. And it's just, it's just happening, and it's going to be an explosion. Be careful. Your timing is important. Timing is part of your loving somebody else, watching the timing for them. Four, <clears throat> is my attitude right? Look at Proverbs 15, 23. The second part of the verse. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. What is your attitude in the situation? Are you really trying to help the other person? You see, there's basically three reasons why you would deal with the situation. One is because it's annoying you. Right? It's really bothering you. It's bugging you. The other reason is because it's a problem for the other person. The third reason, though, is because it's a hindering problem between you, right? Now, one is selfish. First is selfish. It's annoying me. The second one is obviously not selfish. You're caring about the other person. But the third one is actually the best reason. Because here's what you're saying. I value our relationship so much that I want this result. 
I don't want this just being swept under the carpet. I want this resolved. I value the relationship so much that, that I want this actually resolved. Now, you get, you get that one going in a marriage, and you can actually have a sweet marriage when two people will work by that principle. That, that, that I care about you and our relationship so much that I want this resolved. I want this dealt with. Is it going to be tough? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Is it going to take going back and forth? It's going to take going back and forth. But you know what? You can actually resolve things, and you can keep a marriage sweet that way. Marriages fail really because of communication. Right? You, can, you can throw a whole lot of other reasons there why marriages fail, but the real reason is communication because people stop communicating at some level. Nobody gets married thinking, you know what, um, probably do this for two or three years and then move on. When people get married, they get married because they're, they're planning a life together. They think they've found the other uh, the person they can live and they can be, be with for the rest of their lives. And, you know, what happens is, though, communication breaks down at a certain point. They, they fail to communicate through issues and difficulties, and they end up getting bitter in them, and they end up separating in them. Now, everybody doesn't separate. People stay together. But what happens? Communication, failure in communication hurts the marriage. It's always going to hurt the relationship, a failure in communication, right? So is your attitude right? Are you really trying to help the other person because you value this relationship? I mean, that really puts it up to you, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what you've got now going now is going biblical love because this is love that costs you. This is love that makes you get vulnerable because you want to sort the situation out. Are you in a situation, are you actually caring about what's happening with the other person and you want it resolved because you're interested in them? Number five, are my words loving? Look at Ephesians 4.15. But speaking the truth in love. Now, how do you speak the truth in love? When you've got something hard to say, how do you say it in love? How are you going to actually say it in love? Well, are your words loving? Is your heart loving? You know, when you can get your heart in the place where it's loving and you're confronting a situation, it goes a whole lot different. I remember reading a story about Hudson Taylor dealing with the situation, and the guy came to see him from a long distance, and the guy was steaming, was fuming. And Hudson Taylor wouldn't see him. He didn't see him, I think, for two days. He kept him waiting for two days. Now, Hudson Taylor had nothing going on. He kept him waiting for two days. And here's what he had going on. He knew the other guy was hot. And he was hot, too. And he knew that if they met when they were hot, he was going to actually explode at the guy. And what he was doing was he was asking God to give him a spirit of love towards the other guy. And God did. And it broke the situation completely, broke the tension of the situation completely. <clears throat> 